Welcome back to Midday Vibes, part five of my story. I just want to say I'm sorry that it's taking a little bit longer to get this part out, but here I am to deliver the next segment of my story. If this is the first time you are listening to this, I recommend that you go back and listen to parts one through four before continuing. Now for part five of my story. So after I left the locker room that day, I cried my eyes out because I saw my life taken away from me in a matter of minutes. Later that night at my mother's apartment, things were not good. She had an extension cord in one hand and a beer bottle in another. She was yelling and cursing like there was no tomorrow. But for once, I stood up to her and said, I'm tired of this. You are not going to hurt me anymore. I am done with this. I am leaving and I'm going to play football, whether you like it or not. I'm going to make something of myself and prove you wrong. I hope you have a good life because I won't be in it. Bye. I slammed the door and left. At first, I didn't know where to go or anything like that but I knew one place I was not going to go, and that was back there. Okay, guys. First, I want to say that in a previous part, I kind of lost my frame of reference about a certain things here, but I'm going to put it back on track right here. So the first thing I want to go through is my emotions at this time. This was the first time that I ever stood up to my mom. I was always a big, strong kid growing up. I was really strong for my age, and especially around this time in my life in high school. I was working out every day, training football, training for multiple sports, and I was really strong. I could have protected myself, but I never did. All the times my mom hit me, everything that she did, I never stopped her. I always understood that you don't hit women. You don't hit your mom. You respect your your parents. You respect your family, people older than you. And that's what I did. My mom would hit me and do these things and I would just take it because I knew that I wasn't supposed to do anything back. But this time, it was different. I didn't hit her. But for the first time in my life, I stood up for myself. I took a stand and I went against her. That day when she took me away from the field and she had the extension cord in a beer bottle, there was so much emotion and so many thoughts going through my head. But at that moment, all the years and everything just flashed in a blink of an eye. I knew that if I didn't stand up for myself, if I didn't make a stand for my life, then I wasn't ever going to achieve what I wanted to achieve. 
I wasn't going to get out. I wouldn't have gone to college. I would have been to, I would have been on the streets. Who knows? Maybe worse. But what I did know was if I didn't stand up for myself, I wouldn't be anything. When you go through life, you have to take control of it. You have to take control of your own life. What would I have looked like growing up and saying, yeah, I didn't get to go to college or I didn't get out because my mom took me out of football or she controlled my life at the age of 16, 17 years old. I wasn't gonna allow that to happen. I couldn't live with myself if I did. All of those emotions, all of those thoughts happened, I swear, in like a blink of an eye. And then that's when I said, I'm tired of this. And I thought, I'm leaving. It was like one of the most scary, proud, anxious moments of my life. Standing up to her and seeing her face because she couldn't believe that I would talk back like that. She didn't believe what she was hearing coming from me. I had never done that before. But this time my back was against the wall and I had to fight. I had to fight back. When I walked out of the apartment that night, I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what was gonna happen. I ran, I took off, I ran to Lincoln Park, it was a half a block away, I ran through the park and I just sat at the pavilion, because I didn't know if she was going to come looking for me, but I knew that if I was at the pavilion I would be able to see any car, I would be able to see her headlights, and to see if she was coming for me, so I sat there. I sat there for about an hour, hour and a half. And I waited and would just look around. When I realized that she wasn't coming after me, I went to the hospital. I went inside and I used her phone. It's something that I used to do a lot where I would go and eat meals there, watch TV, get a soda. We called it pop. Then up north, we call it pop. Sorry. But I went there and I used their phone. And I remember calling Coach Luke. This is when I called Coach Luke. And I told him what I did. I told him what happened. I told him that my mom had the extension cord. I told him that I left the house and I ran away. I was crying. I was ready to fight for myself. And I asked him for advice. I asked him what to do. I didn't think that he would come pick me up. But I asked him where I should go. 
And he told me that I could go with him, that he would come get me and I could stay at his house. When I heard that, it gave me some sort of gratification. It gave me a feeling that someone actually wants to fight for me, that they believe what I'm saying, that they know that I'm not crazy. Because every time I've told people or I told DCFS, I always got sent back. There was never enough evidence or it was, he says, she said, adult versus child. I was never believed. But he believed me. He actually listened and he heard what I was saying. And he came and got me. When I got in the car, a lot wasn't said. I just remember driving to his house across the lake. And I was just looking at the streetlights. I was just happy that I'm going to sleep somewhere safe tonight. I was very anxious and I was nervous because I didn't know what was going to happen. I knew that he was going to have to tell people. I knew he was going to have to report it. And that scared me. That made me anxious. Because I knew if I went back, if I got sent back, it was all going to be done. I wasn't going to be able just to run away again. And if I did, I wasn't going to be able to play football. Everybody saw what happened. They weren't going to let me just allow, sorry, they weren't just going to allow me to play football without talking to my mom to see if it was okay. So I was so anxious because I didn't know how this story was going to play out. I knew that I had one person that believed me, but I needed more. I needed the people that were going to place me, believe me. That's their job. Department of Child Family Services. Child Services. And I felt like it was never about me. I felt like a little kid was just crying for help. And it was always overlooked. So I knew that at that time, this was all I had. This was my last opportunity to be able to play football or be able to achieve the goals that I wanted to achieve. All the recruiting, all the college letters, the scouts coming to the games was going to stop if this didn't work. if they didn't actually hear me this time. This was something that I just thought about all night when I was staying at Coach Luke's that night. I couldn't sleep. I was tossing and turning. And 
was very scared. I remember I had my eyes closed and you ever have that moment where you just feel like you can just feel every minute that's going by? You're really trying to sleep, but you just feel everything going on around you. Your mile, your mind is racing a mile a minute. That was me. I played out 50, 100 different scenarios in my mind. And I didn't know which one was going to go. When I finally got to sleep that night, it felt like I was getting woken up to go eat breakfast the next morning. I was exhausted. I didn't know how I was gonna get through the day. But I go in the kitchen and there's pancakes, and bacon, and toast, and some orange juice. Like, I felt like it was like freshly squeezed orange juice, but I know it wasn't. But it tasted so good. I remember being so grateful to have a bre- that good breakfast. And in that moment, it made me feel calm. It made me feel like this might work for me. Things might be going in my favor. And I don't know why that breakfast made me feel that way, but a brought a sense of calmness to my life. So after we eat breakfast, I get dressed. We had got, I have gotten a few clothes before I left, so I gotten dressed and get in the car to go to the school. Coach Luke is explaining to me what's going to happen. That he has already made a few phone calls and that we're going to go. And he made me aware that my mom was going to be there. And when he said that, my heart stopped. Not because I was afraid to see my mom. But I was more afraid of people weren't going to hear my side of the story because every time that she's been around they always take her word for it but he reassured me that I was going to be able to have the floor and talk about everything that has happened the times that I ran away why I left that night why I stayed with him everything he said I was going to be able to talk about it so we're on our way to school and just as I was going there looking at every street light I was going we're heading to school and I was doing the same thing but this time I was hoping that time stopped I was hoping that it paused I didn't want to get to school I didn't want to get there fast. I was so anxious and so nervous that I wish I could just press pause like in the movie Click and live life without having to deal with that. But as we all know, 
It doesn't work that way. We get to the school and the first thing we do is we go to the front office and we go to the conference room in the front office. And we have a whole bunch of people there. The principals, assistant principals, the deans, the uh, DCFS, and then my mom. My mom walks in late. And the meeting starts. They allowed me to talk first and they wanted to know about the situation about the football field. And when that was going on, I couldn't say words. So Coach Luke started the conversation. He said, everything that happened, she pulls up on the side of the football field. She starts yelling down. She walks down the hill starts yelling at me, pulls me off the practice field and say that I'm never going to play again. He talked about my emotions in the locker room and how genuine they were. And while he was doing that, I was finally feeling the courage and finding the words to talk. And I start to tell my story. I start, I spill everything times from Holy Family, the times through high school, me being gone weeks at a time, and everything. I said everything. And it felt like such a weight was lifted from my chest. Because this time it was different. This time I could look in people's eyes and tell that they believed me. And the first question they asked to my mom was, why didn't you report it? Did you go look for him? And my mom says, I knew he'll come back. This wasn't the first time that he did it. He always comes back. And the look on their faces when she said that was enough. They couldn't believe that my mom wouldn't go look for their son, go look for her son when he's gone for any amount of time, really. But for days at a time, weeks at a time, they couldn't believe it. So they would question her. This conversation went from my story and what I was saying to questioning her about what she just said and her actions. She got so mad that the real her came out. She got belligerent, she got loud. She tried to take me out of the meeting. I don't give a F. He's not gonna play football. I'm his mom. And that's what I say. And they finally got to see the real her. 
they finally got to see what I was talking about. She didn't have to put hands on me. They heard it. They saw the mannerisms. Everything started to make sense. So after that, they told her that I was not going to go back to her. I wasn't going to go back to that house until they figured out something. The investigation was going to be open. And something was going to be arranged. It wasn't ever going to be foster home or anything like that because I was just too old. But they said they were going to find a place of living for me and that this was going to be an active investigation. When Ann said that and my mom had left, I finally started talking again and said, I can't go to my grandparents' house because if I do, I'm going to end up back at my mom's house. And I made it very clear to them that if I do go back, I will run away again. I will not stay there. So I need somewhere else to stay. So that's when they called my dad. And that's something that we had talked about in part three. They had called him. And I didn't want to go. I told him that I wasn't going to, that I didn't want to leave. That I have opportunities here. And I can't let those go. I have goals. And I needed to stay. And he understood. So, I didn't, I said that I wasn't going to stay with my grandparents. I said I didn't want to stay with my dad. So I'm 0 for 2. Where am I going to stay? I didn't have anyone else. Well, Coach Luke took me in for a few days. And then I got to stay with someone that we're going to talk about in the next part. We're going to talk about it in part six of my story. But this time, I'm not going to make you wait as long as I did for this one. So be on the lookout for part six coming quickly about the last part of my story. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. Have a great day. Bye.